Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to This Week in the Association presented by Brothers Comics, uh, where we recap NBA action from week to week. On the line tonight is my uh, my favorite uh, executive. He's been moved up to the to the front. He's picking his own players. It's Will Stacks. Will, say what's happening. Will Stacks in the house. Man, I made the front office. Oh, man, minorities in the front office. You got a lot of <laughs> Well, if we did just pass MLK Day, and if... Uh, November or October is the official start of the NBA season, and then Christmas Day is the unofficial start of the NBA season. Pretty much Martin Luther King Day now has become the official second half of the season start point, uh, as the NBA has made Martin Luther King Day a major presentation, uh, primetime games, games all day, uh, service out in the community on Martin Luther King Day, so yeah, a big game just the other day. Well, congratulations or bravo, kudos to the NBA for making uh, the MLK Day a special day for the NBA, not only on the court, but off the court. Uh, Good job by Commissioner Silva uh, putting this in place. Um, You know, NBA players are huge in the community and them stepping out on a special day, uh, you know, just says a lot about the players, what they do on the court, but that they are real dudes, that they uh, do care and do do things off the court as well. So kudos to the NBA. The NBA is the one league where I think the uh, public perception doesn't match the players. Uh, we probably know the reason behind that, and that's probably a different topic for a different podcast. But, yeah, they do a great job of promoting uh, the basketball but on top of that, the social aspects of it, especially on Martin Luther King, though. So, yeah, shout out to the NBA. All right, let's get to this jump ball. Uh, the divisional playoffs, man, just ended in the, in the NFL, uh, headed into the, uh, the championship games this coming weekend. Um, some wild games over Saturday and Sunday, especially the Vikings game, which was really like a, a sports miracle, really, as the Vikings win that game in the last second and on some, one of the worst attempted tackles I have ever seen in my life. So our jump-off topic is, what are some of your favorite sports miracles, games ending in, like, just a crazy or special way, and, you know, the, some team that just snatches uh, victory from, the, uh, from death there, or, or snatches victory, defeat from victory. I can't even get the saying right. What's some of your favorite ones? I got you, though. Since we are an NBA podcast, I do have to start with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, with their being down 3-1, coming back against the Golden State Warriors uh, in Game 7, an epic Game 7, the epic block by LeBron, and then the three-pointer by Kyrie. Since we are a basketball show, I did have to say that was an outstanding ending to the, to the season even, not just a game, outstanding ending to the season uh, to win a championship. But probably my favorite sports ending has to be the Music City Miracle. That was <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, that you could see it unfold as the Tennessee Titans uh, took the short kick uh, from the Buffalo Bills and did the lateral, which was still probably questioned to today, that was that indeed a lateral? Some say no, it wasn't, but for that day it was. And Kevin Dyson took the lateral up the sideline, untouched the Music City Miracle, 
pushed the Tennessee Titans on to the Super Bowl where they fell a yard short. Another great ending. But uh, yeah. that was a great, great ending. The Music City Miracle. All right. Now, you took mine. You know, we don't we usually talk about these things before we record. You took mine. <laughs> but my secondary one uh, is still, because every time they show it, it's still fun to watch, is the uh, Stanford Cal game, the band, the bands on the field game, uh, yeah. where the, uh, I guess it was Cal goes down and scores in the last second, bands on the field. Dude with the tuba or the saxophone gets spiked in the end zone. It's yeah, it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's absolute classic. That is absolute classic. Yeah, um, you can't you can't beat those types of endings. I mean, sport you can't script it. That's what's so great about sports. You know, the ultimate reality show is uh, sports because you have things that just don't you can't script them. Just like the Vikings and the Saints. Who would have thunk it? And uh, what a what an ending it was if you're a Vikings fan. Yeah, if you're a Saints fan, you try to forget that for the rest of your life. You may not um, ever. But, yeah, it, it was really bad. I was in a bar uh, and literally just sitting there with my mouth open, like, I can't believe that. That just not just happened. Um, so, yeah, a great, great win for the Vikings. We'll throw in our early predictions for the Super Bowl. Go ahead and get it in now. I don't think we're going to be too far off from one another. Well, uh, I believe, um, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna step out. I'm going to take Jacksonville and Minnesota. I just, for some reason, I hope those guys uh, can somehow beat the Patriots. Jacksonville and Minnesota, that's my uh, Super Bowl. If I were a betting man... I don't think I would say that, but Jacksonville <laughs> versus Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going to go with the home team, Minnesota, actually making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, they're hosting in Minnesota this year. I'm going to take that, and I have to, yeah, I have to take the Patriots. As much as I would like them to lose, and I hope Jacksonville does it, I know whoever's holding the Super Bowl this year, I think it's CBS, is praying to God that it doesn't become a Jacksonville and Minnesota. Um, because nobody, nobody, two small market teams, nobody's really going to watch. Uh, they'll be super worried about the ratings and all that. But, uh, yeah, so, all right, we'll get our predictions as we get closer after this weekend. All right, so we get into the first quarter. Uh, we're going streaking. Uh, some hot teams on some winning streaks. Over the course of this time of having not recorded, some teams had some pretty decent win streaks and didn't get a chance to, to talk about them, so I'll bring them up here, too. But uh, the Celtics got it going again. Had a little bit of a rough patch after the hot start. Seven in a row. Uh, although they lose last night um, to New Orleans after Anthony Davis has gone video game Anthony Davis here the last two games. Uh, so the Celtics, hot streak. Uh, what's, it behind, what's behind it? Well, got to start with the defense. I mean, the Celtics are an outstanding defensive team, especially in today's day where teams are scoring 120, 140. 25 points, it seems, on a nightly basis. When you play against the Celtics, if you break 100, you're doing a big, uh, you're doing big things. Celtics defense is where it starts. But then, of course, you know, you're being led by Kyrie, but he doesn't have to carry the load every night, even though he is capable and has done so. He's got some great help from uh, the young pups, if you will, with uh, Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. So they're, uh, they're a very well-rounded team. And, of course, you know, Coach Brad Stevens has them going in the right direction. 
But defense is where it starts for the Celtics as they stretch the lead in the East. Yeah. As a part of that, too, since they uh, they lose to the Pelicans last night, lots of chatter out there about possibly the Celtics acquiring Anthony Davis at some time here before the trade deadline. Um, I didn't really get a chance to read on what would the assets be for them to, to send him down or to get him sent up to, to Boston, but uh, that's a game changer if he winds up somewhere on one of those Eastern Conference teams. You know, I, that would be a game changer. I'm trying to picture it, though. I really don't, especially with the youth of, like we mentioned, Tatum and Brown. Uh, I would imagine Brown would have to go in that package, and I really don't want to see him go as a NBA fan. I think he's a solid player, uh, does great things uh, with the Celtics. So uh, that has been mentioned. They do still have a pick, a future first future first round that, uh, you know, they could always dangle. But, um, you know, Anthony Davis is uh, putting up numbers that makes uh, other teams salivate and Boston being one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, they've stretched out their league. I believe it's up to four and a half in the east. Uh, let's go out west a little bit. Five in a row for the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, behind Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, all the way up to the third seed in the west. What's going on in Minnesota? Well, I think they're uh, hitting a stride that many thought they were capable of doing. I think Jimmy Butler initially to start the season was taking a back seat, trying to see where exactly he fit in with this young Minnesota team and has gradually found his way uh, with the Timberwolves. You know, they are a team uh, that, that should be reckoned with. You know, when you got uh, you got youth, you got size, you got length, and, again, another team that can defend, Coach Thibodeau, that's what he's known for, uh, leading the defense. Um, so you, you can't uh, overlook the Timberwolves. And Jimmy Butler is proving to be the leader uh, that Carl uh, Anthony Towns, that Wiggins, that they needed uh, to point him in the right direction. So watch out for Minnesota. Yeah, the, a lot of the talk about Wiggins is that, you know, in terms of, like, the stat geeks, he's not really a good player in that regard. Um, his ability to score is still somewhat um, questionable, but his ability to defend is not. Uh, what's your thought on Wiggins as, a, as an overall player? Do you think Jimmy Butler coming in kind of, you know, slowed down his, his growth? Uh, well, I think he does have the ability to score, but Jimmy Butler does uh, add another weapon. And, again, he's now playing a role as Jimmy Butler has started to assert himself. Uh, he's still averaging 14 a game, which is very solid play, um, you know, down from a year ago, but still contributing well to now a winning ball club. So I'm sure he has no problems trading, uh, giving up a few points if it uh, means more wins uh, for the Timberwolves. So they're heading in the right direction. Okay. The other team I wanted to mention, um, even though they're not really on a win streak because they has had their streak broken, uh, is the Miami Heat. Uh, the Miami Heat winners of I think it's eight of their last nine. Uh, they just lose their losing or winning streak the other day. Um, the Heat doing it literally without a superstar, and we know that doesn't you know bode well for moving far into the playoffs. The Heat already up to the fourth seed in the East, only a cup a game or whatever behind my uh, Cleveland for third. What do you think about the Heat? Well, the Heat, uh, as it is right now, looks like they will be, as you mentioned, a, a ha having a home 
uh, playoff series, if the playoffs were to end, probably at the all-star break, they may be in that top four spot in the East and are likely not to have an all-star. That doesn't happen uh, very often, but you got to give Eric Spolstra some credit for leading uh, Miami Heat. They have a a lot of young talent uh, that is uh, molding together. You know, when you have a son Whiteside and they probably their quote unquote best player, uh, Whiteside, and then you got Deion Waiters, Waiters uh, likely out for the year. Uh, but they're still putting it uh, together. Uh, like you mentioned, making a surge in the East, a team you got to watch out for uh, because they have a lot of solid pieces with Drogic, you know, uh, leading the way at the point guard position. You know, again, when you have Whiteside. Uh, you know, in the middle, he uh, causes problems for his uh, opponents. So watch out for the Heat. Yeah, you know, my team, I watch them more than any other team. You know, their ability to defend uh, keeps them in a lot of games. And, you know, kind of what's called as the Heat way down here, about the players that they sign as role players here, you know, have to fit a certain mold. That's why certain players are here for a little bit and then they're not there here that long because they don't fit that mold of Pat Riley. <laughs> And Pat Riley's very, you know, particular about the players that he picks. You know, they better be tough. They better want to do the dirty work. They better want to grind. And if they can't, you know, they won't be here that long. And, you know, I think LeBron's exit from Miami, although it won them two championships, it might have hurt them a little bit in terms of being able to attract other free agents there. Because I think that um, – I don't think that LeBron, you know, pooped his way out the door. But I think, like, you know, word, word down there is that if you're not a certain way, you're not going to, you know, get along with Coach Riles. Coach Riley does have a personality that either you like or you don't. It's not too much in between, or I should say president uh, of basketball, Pat Riley, these days. But, uh, you know, if they're putting together a win streak, and it can't be a bad thing to live in sunny South Beach, Florida. <laughs> so uh, that can't be a bad thing. So, you know, look out for the Heat possibly acquiring a player at the All-Star break. Uh, to help them down the stretch. You know, mentioned Deion Waiters being out, so you need somebody to likely replace him. So watch out for the Heat picking up somebody uh, to add to their playoff push. Yeah, Riley, always known for his deadline deals. Uh, Again, they are in a weird position with, you know, pieces, but not an ability to acquire assets. So, um, yeah, interesting. All right. Let's get into the second quarter. You can't have a win streak without a losing streak. Somebody's got to be losing these games. Where do we start? All right. What's happened in Cleveland? I mean, seriously. Like, it, it's four games in a row now. Uh, discontent with the players in the locker room. I uh, heard a report from Brian Windhurst earlier this week about um, a little bit of beef between LeBron James and the owner, uh, and the owner of the Cavs. I almost called him James Dolan. And the owner of the Cavs. What's going on in Miami, or is this their typical January swoon? Well, in Cleveland, the swoon is, uh, has become, as you mentioned, typical. Uh, they start off slow. They hit a streak. And then around January, they seem to slow down as they try to mold themselves to get ready for a playoff push. Cleveland fans are hoping that's exactly what's happening, that they're just getting things together. Isaiah Thomas still coming back, uh, trying to get his sea legs, if you will. Uh, the old Cleveland roster may be showing some age as they are having a problem defending as they are the 
29th best defensive team in the NBA, and we know that is not a recipe for a championship. So will Cleveland make a move? There's still the talk of DeAndre Jordan possibly as a rim protector being traded for Khloe Kardashian. I mean Tristan Thompson. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, you never know. Uh, if he will be enough, personally, I say no. Um, you know, I made a prediction earlier in the year that Anthony Davis would be heading his way uh, to Cleveland. Uh, that type of player makes uh, more sense, a versatile player on the offensive and defensive end. So uh, we'll see. I do anticipate a move. I uh, don't think Cleveland will stay put uh, with their roster as they are because if they do, uh, they may not even make it to the finals. But uh, Cleveland's in trouble. Uh, hopefully they can turn it around. Whenever you have the king, LeBron James, you always have a chance. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like there are other January swoons as they've made their way to the finals this last two years. It just seems different. And it's going to be different as the team gets older pretty much every year. And, I mean, you know, people don't like to say this, but LeBron gets older every year too. He's not going to be able to reach back and get that gear every single year. It's just maybe not going to be there. I think the biggest concern for me for them is that even if they wind up falling, let's say they fall to four in the East, you know, then they're going to have to really fight their, you know, their way to get to the, to the conference finals. And then who's going to be waiting for them on the end, possibly more refreshed, you know, Houston uh, or, you know, you know, San Antonio or, you know, or the Dubs, you know, that's, that's not a recipe for success for an older team, even as much as the NBA spreads the games out now. Yeah, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, we have a problem, you know, drawing a line from Houston. Uh, there is some uh, there's some turmoil, plus the locker room turmoil is a whole other issue. There's a lot of reports of, of talk, uh, like you mentioned, between LeBron and, and David Griffin, be, between players, between player and coach. So a lot of issues facing the Cavaliers. Uh, will they get it together before the playoff push? Um, only time will tell. Right. The Brian Windhorst report was that they, um, you know, there's the tension between the owner and LeBron James is that they don't really know what to do with that asset. You know, they have that number one pick from, I guess, where that comes from, New Jersey or from Boston uh, that's up there. And that's the, really their only real trade asset. And, do they want to get rid of that with the uncertainty of if LeBron's going to be there next year because they might be right back in rebuilding mode if he winds up voting for Houston or L.A. or wherever the heck he's going? Well, the first priority would be to keep LeBron. So in my opinion, if you have a trade where you're bringing in an Anthony Davis or that type of player and you have to package that pick, by all means, go ahead and do so. Go ahead and package that pick with a Derrick Rose with the Kevin Love or something to uh, acquire a player such as Anthony Davis or someone of that ilk. Um, I wouldn't hold on to that pick um, just to, you know, hold. If you can use it, definitely use it. Right. Yeah, I I, I think I heard Stephen A. Smith the other day saying that, um, you know, his sources, you know, you can believe whatever Stephen A. says, his sources were saying that, you know, um, for the uh, for the owner to make some deals or to get the GM to make a deal, he wants to get like a you know a three to four year commitment from LeBron. LeBron won't give it to him, so he's like, you know what? Then you're gonna have to dance with the people that you got you here. 
And if that's not enough, then that's on you. So, you know, we could be headed to another decision part three um, <laughs> uh, to see if he winds up staying or going. Uh, all, all indications point that, especially if they don't win, and he's getting out of there. Again. Well, I hope he stays. But, you know, the real big thing, what if they lose about seven more in a row leading into the All-Star break or how many ever games there are leading up to the break? And then you say, hey, trade deadline. Trade LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, what kind of market are they going to get back for him? Uh, yeah, that would, be, that would be really interesting. Wow. All right, let's look at some of our other lovable losers here on these losing streaks. Man, the Sacramento Kings, man, it's become a wasteland. The days of Chris Webber and Vladi Divac, long over, man. Long, long over. It is right back to a wasteland out in Sacramento. What's going on in Sacktown? Well, Sacramento has problems in the front office to begin with. They are really struggling. However, this past draft was probably the best draft they've had in, in recent years. Uh, so they did take a small turn headed in the right direction, but they still got a long way to go. Um, you know, playing in the West itself is tough. You know, De'Aaron Fox is a quality pick, but now he's injured. Uh, and Sacramento just doesn't have the horses to compete, especially in the West. You know, you got a, the oldest player in the NBA, Vince Carter, uh, you know, still dropping 40, but not doing enough, uh, you know, for Sacramento. You got, you know, Zach Randolph. And then you got people like Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, not – players that can lead an NBA team, especially not anymore for Carter and Randolph. But I think the future could be bright in Sacramento, but um, we'll see next year when it comes to the Kings. All right. Let's head up a little bit north of me about two hours. The Orlando Magic started out hot and remembered they were the Orlando Magic. Losers of seven in a row tied for the worst record in the East with the Atlanta Hawks. What's going on? There is no magic in Orlando. No magic in Orlando. You know, Frank Vogel had them rolling early, but, yes, they came back down to earth, uh, back to where many thought they might be around the bottom of the east. Uh, again, you don't have the horses. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, uh, you know, is more than just a slam dunker. He has shown a versatile game, but he is uh, definitely not enough uh, down in Orlando. Um, where they're looking to get another high draft pick in uh, the upcoming NBA draft. So uh, maybe they may uh, start the process uh, sort of like they did in Philadelphia, if you will. So I uh, look for Orlando not to win more than 20 games this year. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. They started out so high. I was like, wow, man, Orlando's really turned the corner. And they remembered who they were. All right. Let's head it into halftime um, as Nasir Jones plays us in. Our halftime topics this week, um, we're back to the balls. Uh, again, we try to keep it to strictly basketball stuff with them, um, not too much. While we were off on our like kind of extended little break here, um, there was an incident where uh, LeVar Ball went on, I want to say he was on, it was on ESPN, uh, where he went on and he basically said that um, the Lakers coach, um, isn't any good. I mean, basically, he's lost the team. They don't want to play for him anymore. 
and uh, you know questioned that and the Magic or excuse me and the LA Lakers front office was really silent about it you know no no vote of confidence no you know LeVar shut the hell up none of that so you know what's the end game for this in LA like why did Magic not say anything or they didn't say anything do they really want Dick Dick, you know Walton out well, I think, um, you know, two ways that this situation probably could be handled. Reggie Miller came out and said, you know, Magic Johnson should put an end to it. He comes out and, and puts his foot down and, and makes a, a broad statement, uh, either A, defending Luke Walden, or B, telling LeVar Ball that, hey, you need to be quiet. Uh, but to me, even more so, Lonzo Ball be the one to really quiet things he was interviewed after the comments were made and he didn't shut it down you know is lavar getting his information from lonzo are players really talking and lonzo's feeding it back to his dad or on the same note lonzo could have stepped up for his coach and said no we want to play for him he didn't do that either so, you know, he made the statement, I believe his his quote was, uh, you know, I'll play for anybody, uh, which doesn't say that I want to play for Walton. So, you know, I think Lonzo Ball is the key there where he could really, you know, probably quiet his dad down or quiet this issue down. But he didn't have he didn't take advantage of an opportunity that he had. So maybe there is some talk. Uh, maybe LeVar Ball might have a point. But until a Laker name is added to that, uh, you know, we still have to um, take it with a grain of salt and say LeVar Ball is being LeVar Ball just running his mouth. But uh, the Lakers, uh, you know, they need to, you know, make some decisions. Are they going to make a co- coaching change? But, you know, after he said they he lost the team, hey, the Lakers won four in a row. So they won four in a row. Uh, maybe more comments like that may spur the Lakers to win a few more in a row. Never know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if their overall goal is to land LeBron James in the, in, in the summer, which I think everybody thinks that they want to and would like to, um, any thoughts of that, that the ownership or the team or the management is uh, insufficient or it's uh, not strong enough or it's weak, is not going to appeal to LeBron James. Um, so I, I, I'm very curious as to how he's viewing that, you know, from Akron uh, all the way across the country. You know, Luke Walton is a young coach. He doesn't really have a lot of skins in the game to begin with. Um, so I'm really kind of curious if they fire him based on what, you know, not based on, but people are going to get the perception that like, LeVar has got all this power to be able to get coaches fired. How's that going to look, you know, from the outside looking into other teams, free agents and whatnot? Why would any free agent, LeBron James especially, want to come into the ball mess uh, and keep hearing comments such as that from LeVar and have be on a team, you know, affected by that? So I, I don't think LeVar's comments or any of his comments are helping uh, the cause to attract free agents, but... Uh, we'll see as things pan pan out with uh, especially uh, maybe he wants to bring LaMelo and uh, Leangelo <laughs> from Russia to play for the Lakers as free agents. You know, who knows? Uh, he's trying to get ball in the family all in L.A. So we'll see what happens with the ball family.
Yeah. Uh, again, we'll try to keep it to basketball. They did premiere their – they're playing essentially like friendlies, you know, soccer friendlies over in Lithuania. Um, I think – I mean, I know one game, neither one of them scored in the other game. I think one of them had 19, the other one had 10. You know, I'm not sure about kind of talent that they're playing against. I'm not really sure why freaking ESPN is following these people around, you know, Lithuania either and sending reporters and whatnot. But that's a whole other story and a whole other podcast. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you said they did win a few games in a row. Actually, that was with Lonzo coming back from his shoulder injury. They do have some pieces there. I mean, they really do. They lack a superstar but you'd wonder what they'd have to get up to fit in possibly, you know, the, the talk of getting, you know, um, LeBron James and Paul George, you know, they're going to have to wind up, you know, moving some assets on and what would actually be left, you know, with those two guys and a bunch of young kids. I'm not sure if that would be enough to contend in the West as long as, you know, the Dubs are still there. Yeah, Lakers are going to make some trades before the trade deadline this year, and part of that will be to clear cap space clear more cap space uh, heading into the summer. So expect some willing and dealing from the Lakers uh, in the upcoming weeks. All right. All right, so we head into the third quarter here. Uh, we got to talk about this situation that happened with the Clippers and the Rockets the other night. I'm going to play a little bit of sound here. Uh, hold on, let me hit this. So that's the TNT crew and their reaction, which is all live, um, to the the fight, air quotations, between the Clippers and the Rockets. Uh, A very chippy game, actually a very entertaining game for the most part, but a very chippy game as Blake Griffin uh, decides he doesn't want to get pumped by CP3 anymore, a lot of in-your-face, a lot of chippy fouls, uh, but an overall good game reportedly after the game. Chris Paul is um, sneaking out of prison. Essentially, he knows the secret passageway and winds up in the Clippers' uh, locker room, which is a definite no-no. What did you think about the fight or the aftermath of the game? Well, I think it really says that there was some some beef in Clippers' teams of the past with – with Chris Paul, with Blake Griffin, and others, Austin Rivers, uh, with those guys, that there must have been some, you know, just they didn't quite get along, and maybe that's one reason why it didn't really come across all the way on the court, and they couldn't get over the hump in the playoffs. You know, a situation like that didn't just come up because of the game the other night. This is something that's been ongoing, uh, like, maybe from last year or even seasons before. So I think it really said a lot about some beef, you know, with maybe Austin Rivers and Chris Paul, with Doc Rivers and Chris Paul, with, you know, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, you know, any combination and Chris Paul. So I think, uh, you know, it, it didn't turn out to be anything but, you know, shed some light that you got to watch these te- these two teams as they will play a couple more times in the regular season. Um, you know, will uh, when James Harden comes back, will that uh, you know will that have uh, an effect on the outcome? As the Clippers did come out uh, victorious, um, and hey, they're playing some pretty decent ball of late, while the Rockets are you know heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, Clippers winners of five in a row. Uh, Tony Kornheiser describes Chris Paul as an irritant, is the exact quote. Um, and 
he does get under people's skin. He's, you know, a very ball-dominant guard in terms of play and personality. And, um, you know, there's always been that word out there that he didn't like that Austin Rivers was on that team, you know, because he thought his daddy was the only reason that he was there. There may be some truth to that. And he's always thought that, you know, Blake was soft. And he was always trying to not be, you know, to try to get him to be a little bit, you know, a much harder a player. There's even thought, there's even talk and rumors, of course, that, you know, some of those people that were trying Blake Griffin a couple of years ago, that it was at the insistence of Chris Paul, you know, to get under his skin to try to get him to toughen up a little bit. But I posted this out to you. We need to have this conversation about the other half. We've had this conversation about four, two, or one, one fourth of the banana boat crew in terms of Mello. Is he that dude that he's a great player, but you can't win with him? I think we might need to have this conversation about Chris Paul as well because he's never been out of the second round of the playoffs. He's never really won anything. Is Chris Paul that dude? That you oh, he's a great player that you can't win with. There's absolutely no question. Chris Paul, a tremendous, tremendous player. Uh, you know, as far as a team leader, point guard, one of the top point guards. But you know, in a lot of ways, you could say he's overrated because when it comes down to it, he has not ever had any postseason success. He has never uh, led a team, you know, in the playoffs to to do some positive things he's often injured when it comes to playoff time so he is uh, definitely a player that has not uh, had a good spring you know where he may be strong in the winter springtime he may struggle so uh, Chris Paul I think we can definitely say is that dude uh, just like Carmelo just in a different way that uh, a great player but not a great team player to help your team win the big, important games. Yeah, there's always been that talk that, you know, somehow that the banana boat crew were crew all going to wind up on the same team together at some point. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm linking back all the way to Chris Paul, even back to Wake Forest. He was that dude, you know, great player, but wasn't able really to do much with his yeah. team, you know, in the NCAAs either. And yeah. all this time... Chris Paul well, always I, hitting people in the nuts, so, you know, because yeah. <laughs> uh, he, you know, can't get it done. He figured, well, let me hit him in the nuts, so maybe yeah. that'll stop. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. yeah I mean, he, he's never, um, never won the big one, so he definitely uh, can be on that team with Carmelo uh, as being um, players that are great. Uh, will be a Hall of Famer, but not much so for it. Rockets five and five in their last ten. Uh, most of that with um, with James Harden being out, but they were struggling really after even before he got hurt. They were struggling a little bit then too. You know, it, the rose has definitely fallen off the Rockets. Besides just the injury, anything that you see that's causing that besides just Harden being out. Well, you live by the three, die by the three. You know, if you're making as many as they as many as they take. They better make a, a good percentage to, uh, you know, keep their uh, momentum in any game going. It still comes back to defense. you got to defend, you know. So with those two things, you know, if you're not hitting your threes, puts more emphasis on the defense, and maybe some chinks are being shown in the armor that, hey, get them missing a couple threes, you know, we can score on them, and, you know, we can beat them. I think uh, if you had to look up, the coach of that dude team, 
Mike D'Antonio might be the coach of that dude team as well. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of success at Phoenix, uh, not so much in his other stops. A good first year with the Rockets last year, but uh, yeah, he might be he might be team uh, coach of team that dude. So, all right, <laughs> let's get into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter NBA All Star break is coming up real soon. Um, we grew up in a heyday of NBA All Star weekend, not kind of what it's become now, where it's. Uh, you know, they got people there and musicians and stuff that we probably would listen to and whatnot. It's, you know, it's become much more of a spectacle. Before, the basketball game was the show, and now everything surrounding it is the show. Slam dunk used to be a big thing. Now it's, you know, butt cheeks. Uh, the three-point shooting contest has by far succeeded in on any of the things during All-Star Weekend before the game. So the NBA, in an attempt to kind of liven things up a little bit, has changed up the format, or at least proposed to change up the format for the All-Star team. So instead of it just being East versus West, and you know the top vote getters for the uh, by the the fans, and then the, the coaches filling out the rest of the roster, they're going to do this. The first, the top two vote getters would be able to pick their team or their team of starters, and then everybody else would get picked by the uh, the fans or whatever. So. Um, the top two vote-getters at this point in time are LeBron James and Steph Curry. And so you could pick from any player. Like, you know, if Steph wanted to pick um, Giannis, he could pick Giannis as his first player, and LeBron could pick KD. You know, to try to mix it up, get their, you know, the team, you know, mix up the team, mix up the players and whatnot. So there's a two-part question. One, do you like this idea? And then the second part of that is, two, why are some players like Kevin Durant like so against the idea? Oh, I love the idea of having the teams mixed up and having uh, other people pick the teams, you know, besides the fans, besides the coaches. You know, I would have some, uh, you know, recent retired players pick the teams personally, uh, kind of like they did in the Pro Bowl with uh, Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin, you know, having the draft. And it should be televised. I'm sure the NBA uh, could make a night of it to have that event of the draft, the all-star draft, if you will, televised. But, you know, that is typical Kevin Durant, you know, is, oh, I don't want to do it. You know, Steph, you do it. I don't want to do it, you know, which is, is part of his fake toughness. Uh, you know, since coming over from Oklahoma City, you know, and he did get the championship playing very well. But all of a sudden, you know, the quote-unquote, you know, the tough guy, you know, the fake tough guy, you know, that's that's only what he would do is where he wouldn't have the, he wouldn't have the uh, cojones to pick the team and then have to, you know, live with it. So he wants to he certainly hopes he doesn't have the most votes because he would definitely pass it on. But I really love the idea. Mix them up. You know, put uh, uh, Curry with Antetokounmpo or put Durant with LeBron or put Irving with Curry or that type of thing. I think it would be great uh, for the fans of the NBA, uh, great for the players as they'll probably enjoy it as well. So. Um, you know, I love the idea, and hopefully uh, things pan out well with the uh, NBA All-Star Draft. Yeah. I think some of the egos of some of the players, if they didn't get picked, it, it's literally like being the fat kid on the on the playground. You know, like, how did you just not pick me first, or how did I get picked last? Like, some of them would be really upset by this. 
And I think that's why they're had, you know, kind of hedging their bet on if they're going to do it or not. Like to me, they definitely need to do something like this because look, the, the NBA all-star game has become like a farce, you know, where it used to be like a showcase of skills and dunks and passes, which it still is. But there was at least an attempt to like play defense. Um, now, I mean, at some point, somebody's going to break 200. Like it's going to happen. Um, because it's just not even a thought anymore, you know, and they don't even – it used to be like in the other games, like in our day or whatever, they would try at least in the fourth quarter, you know, to kind of oh, make yeah. it competitive. And now it's not even that. You know, people still getting wide open dunks, alley-oops, whatever, you know, way into the into the end of the game. So they need something. Like the dunk contest is, is like – it's done. Like they literally could get rid of it. I don't know that anybody would truly, truly care. They're trying, but, I mean, they could. And, you know, three-point is great. And the skills competition is great, too. I like that as well. But, like, they got to do something or bring the game back to meaning something now because I, I, a lot of times, you know, people are just watching it for, you know, whoever the music is that's bringing the players out and whoever's doing the halftime show. Yeah, they they do need to talk to the players about making it a more competitive effort. You know, the players got the extra days off now after the All-Star mm-hmm. game to have an actual break so they could put forth a little more effort on the court. So I definitely agree. The game itself needs to be better. Um, but on the same note, you know, it is about entertaining. So, you know, if, if that's how they feel, the best way they can entertain is an offensive explosion, you know, who am I to knock it? So um, I do enjoy the All-Star game, but, yeah, it's still not quite what it used to be in around 89, 90 now those were the all-star games, uh, some tremendous all-star games, even going back a little further from the mid-'80s up to the early-'90s, you know, all-star at its best. Yeah, it was like I was telling uh, a friend of mine, I was like, at a point, you know, it should almost become like uh, the NBA rock and jock on, MB- on MTV. You know, let me get that 10-point shot. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> People start shooting from all over the place just to make it like almost a globetrotters type thing because it really is now anyway. Are you missing this, you know, Curly Neal, you know, and the bucket of confetti? I mean, it's just up and down. It's like, come on, man, at least somebody make an attempt to block a shot, get a pass, yeah. something. I, I don't know. Yeah, and then maybe the change of the, the teams will add a little bit to the competition because it won't be an East-West thing. It will be, you know, a pride thing. And so maybe uh, that pride may step up. But uh, I I would bet Commissioner Silva will have a conversation with the NBA All-Star teams and say, hey, you know, we need to improve the product on the court for the All-Star game itself. The festivities will do their part, but, hey, the game needs to – be a culminating event, not just the, oh, the game is still going to be played type of event. So, um, you know, All-Star break should be an enjoyable weekend. And so not just All-Star Saturday, but Sunday as well. All right, as we hit towards the wrap-up, we're going through the NBA teams and uh, and their best player. Last week it was the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we've had our consensus that the best player in Atlanta Hawks history was Dominique Wilkins, um, not Bullet Bob. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not him. Uh, but, yeah, so this week in alphabetical order as we go through is the Boston Celtics. Now, this might seem a little more difficult than it is uh, based on age. 
like really generationally because the Boston Celtics has a generational of all-time players. I think on the top 50 players of all time, I think they had the most of any team, save for maybe the Lakers. Maybe they were tied, which makes sense. So it really comes down to two players, and you got to base it on really the time they played versus like championships. Okay, so unless you're thinking something other than me, it's either Bill Russell or Larry Bird, correct? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I would even, you know, I mean, our 11 championships, you, you can't argue, you know, but I'll argue from this standpoint that Bill Russell was the best role player of all time where his job was to defend and block, defend and rebound, and he was the best role player of all time. And like you mentioned, you know, with those Celtic teams, of the 60s, you know, he was uh, a main cog, but definitely not the cog. Larry Bird was probably the cog of his championship teams of the 80s. So, you know, I would give the nod maybe to Larry Bird, but but uh, we're going to give the nod to neither one, not Bird, not Russell. We know they are all-time greats. We're not disputing that. But taking those two aside, the best Celtic, Kevin McHale. <laughs> Kevin right. McHale was an outstanding. He was a dominant player, in my view. He was truly the key to those 80s teams. Yes, Bird was great. Parrish, you know, did his thing. Dennis Johnson, you know, all those guys. But when they needed a basket, you know, everybody would, you know, double-team Bird. Who'd you go to? You went to Kevin McHale on the post. And other than Akeem Olajuwon, I don't think any other post player had better footwork uh, than Kevin McHale. He was solid on the post. And those arms, he has probably the longest arms in NBA history. I don't know. But, uh, you know, he outstanding player. So I'm going to give the nod to Kevin McHale as the best Celtic ever not named Larry or Bill. All right. Uh, I, that was one of my other two uh, as we go through the third place here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to begrudgingly pull out Paul Pierce's name. Uh, for my 15 years as a Celtic, one championship, uh, uh, got to another finals of the game, which they should have won, by the way. Um, but, uh, he was the franchise after. He was able to bring, although he did need, you know, the help of Ray Allen and KG to get that championship. Uh, he comes off the bench on a literal wrestling-type Hulk Hogan Hulk-up move to come back in that game in Boston uh, to, be, you know, help beat the Lakers. Uh, so he, uh, he's going to be my pick, but I, uh, I can definitely see how it would be Kevin McHale. Yeah, Paul Pierce, great player, you know, you know my – he's – Part of the all very great, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a great player. All of all of the very good. So uh, he was an outstanding Boston Celtic. Uh, have his jersey retired. Oh boy, that's a whole other thing. But hey, <laughs> he's getting it done. But give me Kevin McHale over Paul Pierce all day, every day. All right, I got you. I can't. I can't really argue with too much. All right, so to start to wrap it up, uh, we need exit music, man. What's our what's our exit song? Well, we're going to change it up a little bit. You know, we just had this 
uh, a couple days ago, the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, holiday this past Monday. And there's a song that came across, you know, my uh, Pandora one time, and it was called Dream, and it was based on the dream of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, by a gentleman named Versatile. And so our song of the week playing us out this week is just that Dream by Versatile. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good message to the song, talking about, you know, how we do need to uh, to dream, just like Martin Luther King Jr. All right. All right, so that starts to play us out. We got to get close to our game of the week. You got a game on the schedule coming up that you want to see? You know, our, our game of the week, you got to go Cleveland, Oklahoma City, uh, as uh, they will be uh, coming down against each other. You know, Cleveland struggling. Oklahoma City, you know, we don't know what we're going to get with Oklahoma City. They're <laughs> playing great for a stretch. We just thought they turned the corner, and then they come back and lose to Phoenix, you know, at home. So you never know what you're going to get with OKC. Uh, you definitely don't know what you're going to get from the Cavaliers these days. So I think that would be a quality matchup uh, at Cleveland, Oklahoma City at Cleveland. Um, so that's my game of the week, Cavs and, and Thunder. All right. I think I had, um, was it, Houston and uh, the Dubs again coming up here this week. Um Harden should be back for this game, um, hopefully. <laughs> um, I think the, the NBA would definitely want that to uh, full squad there. Uh, Houston comes back in the opening game of the season and beats the Dubs in, in Oakland. Um, so it would definitely be a little bit of revenge factor. Everybody should be healthy and ready to go. So I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to seeing everybody all full tilt. Uh, I definitely do think that this is a message game, by the way. Like if somehow, you know, the Warriors go in there and, you know, kind of put it to them, we're going to have, like, a whole other conversation about Houston and the fact that, you know what, it's not going to even matter for them when they make it to the playoff. Yeah, I expect the Warriors win by 20. Okay. <laughs> That's my thought. Warriors by 20. Yeah, there will be a revenge factor there. And even though he missed a few games in between, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it for the weeks we were off, Steph Curry's come back in video game mode, too. Uh, before the second ankle injury where he missed two games or three games. Uh, I think he was something at like 29-6-6. I mean, just the ridiculous amount of shots going up, you know, and the ridiculous Steph Curry, you know, barely crossing half-court three-pointers and stuff going down. So uh, the little break probably gave him some good to get, you know, to get his legs good and fresh uh, heading into the second half of the season. So, yeah, we'll see what's happening with the Doves. All righty, yes, uh, dubs are heading the right direction. All right. Okay. So that starts to wrap up this week in the association. Remember, this uh, podcast is part of the Brothers Comics Podcasting Network. You'll find a lot of shows, find a show, find your life. Uh, the Marvel Hacks, uh, uh, the intersection with Malika Salam, Unmasked Podcast for Mr. Robot, uh, and the Brothers Comics Podcast, which is the flagship show. 
All right, so Will Saxon, the music cross to play us out, man. Tell them where they can find you. Find me at Will Stacks. That's at W I L L S T A C K S at Will Stacks on Instagram. At Will Stacks on IG. At Mr. Waters 77. That is me, Will Stacks. Mr. Waters 77 on Twitter. Let me know what you think of our show. Uh, give me some ideas on what you want to hear on our show or some songs you want to hear the quote out. Right, Mr. Waters 77 on Twitter. I will back to my and yeah, this is uh, the producer of Brothers Comics. You can find me at the producer on every single one of those platforms at Brothers Comics. Uh, B-R-O-T-H-A-C-O-I-M-C-S. Uh, you'll be able to find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any of that stuff at Brothers Comics. Alright, so as the dream plays us out, man, stay warm up there in that southwestern Ohio city. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right, Will Stacks is out. Hey, peace, y'all. Different, the king died, we buried his dream with him Went from slave ships to interracial relationships From patients to being a doctor performing the operations Minding our business to being opinionated Somewhere along the way our own con we hated Territorial red and blue Skin color black on black, you blink, he shoot Put each other in prison by snitching And then blame it on the system The license we live in used to walk hand in hand No longer division, it seems divided we stand United we stand, a mission needed by black leaders Leaders, no more Martins in our modern day So I pray sovereignty and solemnly Ask for God to be with us For if we stand together, no man can stand against us As long as division continues to cripple our people We are considered free, but never considered equal With equal rights, fight like Palestinians and Israelites But we the same breed, same family tree Seems branches fell off, but they grow back Just pick up the leaves, the leaves pass To keep moving forward, believe In this land of mine, I do still have a dream In this land of mine I do still, I do still, I do still.